Welcome to Ballot Battleground Nevada. I'm your host, Ben Marjot, a reporter at KRNV News 4 in Reno. I'm passionate about making politics in this critical battleground state more digestible to the average voter and pushing past the talking points to press politicians for answers. On this show, we take deep dives into the people, ideas, and debates shaping Silver State politics. The busiest week in Nevada elections in some time is in the rearview mirror. Two elections in a span of just three days. It was a confusing mess, but we got through it. If you listened to last week's episode, you know Joe Biden handily won the Democratic presidential primary on Tuesday and won all of the Silver State's Democratic delegates. But Nikki Haley, in a surprising upset, lost the Republican primary to no one, none of these candidates. And then on Thursday, the Nevada GOP held their caucus with Donald Trump and Ryan Binkley, the only two candidates on the ballot. And as expected, Trump won in a landslide, winning all of Nevada's 26 Republican delegates. Before we get into our interview with the woman who ran that presidential primary in Washoe County, we wanted to take you out to the caucus. Let's go out to one of the busier caucus locations in Washoe County, Spanish Springs Elementary School. Caucusing for today. Trump. And why do you support former President Trump? He's pretty amazing, and when he was the President of the United States, he did things that got our country going the way it should go, and that drew in the direction that uh, we want to get back into. The, the situation right now has been very discouraging to us across the, across the board, whether you want to talk about foreign policy or our American dollar. You know, where's the dollar going? And what are you looking forward to today? A great turnout for Donald, for Donald Trump. That's what we're looking for. Our reporter Audrey Mayer was on the ground on caucus night at Spanish Springs Elementary. She joins us now in studio to recap that night. Audrey, thanks for being here. Two weeks in a row, you're a star on Ballot Battleground Nevada. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, Ben. Absolutely. Well, for all the people who might not have been watching your coverage, for one, they should have been, and they should have been watching News 4 that night. Uh, but take our listeners and our viewers to the caucus because it's a unique experience, um, and especially a Nevada caucus is different than some of the previous caucuses that we've seen in this cycle, like Iowa. Take our viewers there. What did the, you experience when you walked into Spanish Springs Elementary on Thursday night? Yeah, Ben. So it was my first caucus that I've seen personally in person. So I did watch the Iowa caucus just to prepare myself for that moment. And it was interesting to see some of the similarities and differences between both of them. For one, the Iowa caucus, Ron DeSantis was still in the race. Nikki Haley was involved in that race. So all the volunteers had DeSantis hats, Haley hats, but this one, all Trump hats, even the volunteers <laughs> had Trump caucus captain hats. I even went up to one of the volunteers and said, hey, where are all the Binkley hats? And he said, they're allowed to come, but I, I didn't see uh, Ryan Binkley volunteer there, uh, nor did I see any Ryan Binkley shirts, t-shirts, and it was pretty obvious Trump was going to win the caucus, so that's what we were expecting, and it was more about Trump solidifying his base here in Nevada, just seeing how many votes he could get and what the turnout was like. And sure enough, he did end up beating Nikki Haley and none of these candidates didn't quite catch up to Biden's turnout, though. Yeah. Uh, what's the process like? I mean, you have to show up and with your voter ID, your photo ID, usually your driver's license. How's the check-in process? And also, then there's this unique thing where you can just 
write your name on a ballot, drop it off and leave, right? Or you can stay for the whole event. How many people chose to do that to stay for the entire night? Yeah, so it was kind of hard to tell who stayed and who didn't stay because the press wasn't allowed in the precinct meetings. There were eight different classrooms that they filed people into. And so it was kind of hard to tell who dropped ballots off and who went into the individual classroom. So we didn't get specific numbers on that. But it was interesting to see all the lines that formed at the Spanish Springs Elementary School where I was at. There was a line all the way down the block outside. It was a pretty chilly night out in Nevada. So people waited in line outside and then uh, inside. And it was even snowing in Carson City. We got some video of that too. And you know, from the naked eye, people would think, wow, all these people are turning out for yeah, Trump. Massive there's, turnout. Yeah, packed packed house. But in reality, when you look at the numbers, the presidential preference primary actually had more turnout. But I think it was because people had two weeks of early voting. People had mail time to or mail in ballots. They could either drop them off or just mail them in. Mm -hmm. And so when I was at the University of Nevada, you barely hardly knew anything was happening <laughs> if you didn't see all the signage in the voting booths because no one was really there in person. But in the caucus, since it was a very specific period of time and exclusively in-person voting, it looked like it was just packed. Yeah, I checked the numbers this morning and I think, uh, don't quote me on the exact number, but like over 80% of the people that voted in the presidential preference primary did so by mail. And so you have four and five people that are participating. You're never going to see their face at a polling place. They're participating nonetheless, whereas the caucus one night, thousands and thousands of people all, and it makes it look like a massive turnout. The reality uh, turnout was around 11% of the Republican Party that turned out around 60,000 people statewide. So a decent number, but not a massive turnout like some of the images that you might have seen on TV would imply. But how did the night wrap up? Because initially we were told that we would not be able to view the counting process, um, but I did see some social media videos. It looks like we were able to witness that part in the end. How did it work? Because we're actually dealing with paper ballots that people have written the name of their candidate or maybe you know checked off the box of that person. How did the counting happen? Yeah, so we did stay for the counting. We weren't sure if we were able to, and they did let us view the counting. So what happened was they separated 25 different precincts at my location into 25 different ballot boxes and they gathered all the ballots from the box that you were able to just drop them in off at and the ballots from each of the precinct meetings and then they separated them into 25 different ballot boxes and then that's where the volunteers come in and you we saw just they laid out some benches and it was interesting because you in your previous podcast, Kim talked about how they count the ballots at the registrar voters office. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a sterile environment. You can only see through a glass window. There's a live stream so anyone can watch. And this one, we just had some benches <laughs> and people hand count, hand counting ballots, no technology involved, just tallying ballots by hand and it was wrapped up in a few hours so we saw final results in a few hours which you know there's pros and cons for both because we didn't get final results for the primary for an, another couple days after that so we did get final results within a couple hours and it was again it was just interesting to see everyone with their trump hat on i know it was only the former president versus ryan binkley and binkley could have sent volunteers as well and it 
he act, he didn't look like he <laughs> did. So that was kind of what the process was like. And I think towards the end, we knew Trump was going to come out with a huge victory. And then that is eventually what happened. Trump fans are known for not being huge fans of the mainstream media. But you were telling me before we started recording, people were nice to you in person, right? That's good to hear. Yeah, that, yeah that's surprising to me because... As somebody who's fairly new at covering Trump and covering elections here in Nevada, you kind of feel like you're going in the belly of the beast a little <laughs> bit because Trump does love to say that we're fake news and yeah. uh, that receives a lot of booze, you know. And I was at his Trump rally that he did here in Reno where we did receive three or four boos. And even Ron DeSantis, when he came to the Basque Fry, he called out the mainstream media that received a boo or two. And But when you... Go when you go to events and you're one on one with candidate or not candidates when you're one on one with voters, people are just really nice. And it kind of reminds you that these are your neighbors coming out and dropping off their vote or dropping off their ballot or going to the precinct meeting. So it's something to keep in mind as tensions rise as we get closer to November. Remember, everyone was kind. Everyone was cordial. And yeah, I love that. A great point to end it on. Uh, let's all do our best to keep the temperature <laughs> of the uh, political climate low as we head into what's going to be a very uh, caustic and uh, difficult election season, presumably with the rematch, it seems likely that we're going to get. So Audrey, thank you so much for coming on episode three. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Now that the dust has settled from Nevada's first presidential primary in decades, we wanted to bring in the woman that was in charge of the whole operation, at least in Washoe County, the interim registrar of voters, Carrie Ann Burgess. Carrie Ann, thank you so much for joining us on episode three of Ballot Battleground Nevada. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start with your background and your experience because you're new to Washoe County, newish, and then definitely new in this role of interim registrar of voters. So where you're from, what's your experience in elections, and how'd you end up here? Well, that's kind of a loaded question, actually. <laughs> um, I actually started with elections in Minnesota. I started out as an elected clerk, and with that, I um, kind of morphed into multiple different positions. Um, and one of them was elections. So I was able to help our county clerk with administering the elections in our county. With that, I also worked at the legislature. So in that same role, I was a lobbyist for the Township Association, which also helped with elections. And then when I moved and I moved back, she vacated her position and went somewhere else. And I stepped in as a clerk um, for the same department. And then in September of 2020, my boss came to me and said, hey, can you fill this position? The person that was in it um, vacated the, this spot. So in September of 2020 is when I stepped into elections full time, um, but having about five years experience before that as an election worker, and then also being able to just help coordinate, train everything for the election workers before that. So September 2020, a famously uh, normal and uh, boring time to be in elections in the fall of 2020, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was an interesting time. You know, there was a lot of changes going on. There was a lot of changes in the country. There was a lot of changes in, in processes. For me, it was really kind of exciting because there were so many things I, I learned. And then going from there, I did work 
like 70, 80 hours a week for about six, eight months straight. And I burned myself out. Oh my gosh. So after that, um, I moved to North Carolina, took a break. I was actually uh, a manager for an ice cream store. I love that anecdote. I saw it in a great story by the Nevada Independent. Yes. Uh, a total 180. Uh, you couldn't have picked a more different career, but probably nice to have a change from that. What did you learn from that experience? Uh, anything that applies to uh, this job in elections? Actually, a lot that applies, to be honest with you. Um, what I learned is that I, one, I'm I'm really good at what I do. Not to be conceited, not to toot sure, my own yeah. horn, but I am really good at what I do. But I also learned my limits. Hmm. That was something that I did learn. But I also learned how to mitigate burnout um, in myself and in my team. So managing an ice cream store where I have a whole bunch of high school students and college (laughs) students, um, they're going to school full time. They're trying to work at least three quarter time. They were getting burnt out. Hmm. So that's something it taught me was how to help my team learn how to cope with the stresses better. So that's something that I cultivate in my team now is, hey, you're not going to burn yourself out. We're going to take time off, but also teach them as much as I possibly can. So you got burned out in the elections job in Minnesota. Yes. And then a short time later, you're like, I want to jump right back into elections here in Nevada. I mean, how did you end up in this role and I mean, you just can't get enough of elections, huh? Because it, it's famously a really difficult position right now. I mean, there's been so much turnover, as you know. That's how you're in this interim role right now. I mean, what made you want to come back after experiencing so much burnout in, in the previous job? To be honest with you, it was when I was in North Carolina. I had all this institutional knowledge that I had gained. I don't know everything. and I'm not going to know everything. But I had this institutional knowledge. And after the, I call it the mass exit of 2020. Yeah. There's not a lot of people in the country that know how to administer an election. So when I was in North Carolina, I was kind of sitting one day and I'm like, I really need to get back to it. I do have this knowledge to give back. I absolutely love our country. We have one of the best governments in the world, in my opinion. My love for country, my love for what I am able to do at the very basic level and make sure that people can vote is the way I can give back. That's the way my, that's the way I think about it. Well, Washoe County appreciates your service in a difficult time for election workers across the country. I think I saw a statistic that 15 out of 17 Nevada counties this year, or Nevada County elections will be administered by a new person at the top, whether it's the registrar or the clerk. You, of course, being one of them after Jamie Rodriguez, who was only in the role for about a year, stepped down about a month out from the first election of 2024. I mean, what's it like when you get approached, you were the deputy registrar at the time, and it's a month out from the election. You've done elections before, but Mm -hmm. uh, not in Washoe County for very long. What's it like when you uh, hear that she's resigning and they're tapping you to run the presidential preference primary a month later? To be honest with you, I was completely scared. (laughs) (laughs) But also honored, honored that I'm able to be in this role. Um, to be able to guide our team, because a lot of our team, I'm going to say 60% of our team in our office, is new. And they've never been through an election before. Being able to help guide them through that election and make it a positive experience is something that I took very very close to heart to make sure that everybody 
knows their job, knows it well, and and has a positive experience because that's part of it. If we don't make it a positive experience for those who are working it, they will not come back and we're going to lose more knowledge. I want them absolutely competent and every single person in my office is more than competent to do this job. They have excelled at everything that has come at them and they've actually taken everything that that comes with it with with grace. I'm going to just <laughs> say with grace because they've already had some hard times, some hard stuff come at them and they're just like, we're here to do a job. We're here to do it the best of our ability. And with the support that we get from the county leadership, it really helps. The Secretary of State in Nevada, Cisco Aguilar, calls election workers heroes. I'm sure you would agree with that, given that Absolutely. But I want to back up just a little bit um, to when you decided that you were going to leave the ice cream business and get back into elections. I mean, was that a difficult decision for you, knowing how much you had burned out in the past? I mean, did you really wrestle with that or was it an opportunity that opened up that you just had to jump at and it was no questions? No, it was something that I, I actually wrestled with a lot. When I left Minnesota, I said I was not going to go back to elections ever again because <laughs> um, it was really hard and it was not an easy job to do, especially with the climate, the political climate that goes around election workers. There was some unfortunate incidences that happened in Minnesota with with residents Coming after you or? Yep. Yeah. Yep. They were coming after me a little bit. Um, yeah. So because of that, I was not wanting to get back into elections. But the more I thought about it, the more knowledge that I had, the more vacancies that I saw open, I'm like, no, this is something that I need to do. I absolutely need to do. I did talk to some of my friends that are still in elections. And I'm like, you guys, what? I asked their opinions and I asked them what I, they thought I should do. They're like, you need to do what's best for you. This is how, this is how I ended up back here. Um, I actually applied for a job in Douglas County, got the job in Douglas County, and then became friends with Miss Rodriguez. And we, she offered me the job as her deputy or wow. asked me if I'd be interested <laughs> in to be honest with you, it's funny because at first I wasn't. I was very happy with where I was in Douglas <laughs> County. And I went home and I told my husband about it. And he's like, no, no, no. Why don't you do it? <laughs> and then, yeah, I came to be the deputy, which I was very happy in that role. Mm -hmm. And now here I am. And fast forward, you're uh, running the first presidential preference primary in Washoe County and in Nevada in several decades. So let's fast forward to Last week now, where that election is underway after, you know, I think, believe it was seven or 10 days of early voting, uh, yes. you're in the registrar's office in that basement area, everything's going on. I mean, mm -hmm. just take me into that scene and um, how did it go on Tuesday night? Coordinated chaos <laughs> is what I like to say. Um, it's really kind of funny. We have, I have one person that is in charge of the mail ballot process and back, and her name is Addie, and she just absolutely excelled at what she did. Um, she had a well-oiled machine going in back. And anybody who came in, she would make sure that they had a job and they were able to do it. And if they didn't know how to do it, she sat down and trained them. I have really talented staff that know what they're doing and how to do it. So I just kind of let them run with it. And then when I walk in the door, she's like, okay, here's something for you to do. <laughs> So she hands me projects too. So I, I absolutely love it. 
Total turnout in Washoe County, I think, ended up just over 23%. So unfortunately, for democracy's sake, a lower turnout election, which, you know, to some extent was expected, given that all the nonpartisan, such a big group of Nevada voters uh, weren't able to participate in this closed presidential primary. So a new election, relatively low turnout. Obviously, the results are real, but I think you or one, someone on your staff said something like a dry run, given that it was such low turnout. Um, did you guys kind of see it that way or or no? Because I mean, it is real results, a real election that you have to certify eventually. <laughs> yes, we do. We actually will be certifying it on Friday. Um, absolutely. It's still an election, but it was a really good opportunity for my team to learn, to learn and to go through an election. And to have a lower turnout was actually beneficial that they saw the processes, they learned the processes, we're honing in on the processes. So come the primary and the general, when we when we get three times that amount, they'll be ready. And they'll they'll know what they need to do. And the volume will not hinder what we do. Good real world experience <laughs> for sure. Something unique to Nevada, not unique to Nevada, but new to Nevada in the last few years is switching over to universal mail-in voting, where every single voter, unless they opt out, is sent a ballot to their mailbox. Is it that way in Minnesota or was that something new for you when you came to the Silver State? No, 2020 around the country happened. Basically, a lot of people just went to the mail mail ballots. Minnesota is a, it's a dual state. So they have, just like here, you still have the voting locations. You can do the mail, mail-in voting because everybody gets a ballot. The only thing for me that was different here was Minnesota's a paper state. Uh -huh. So we... We have paper ballots. Um, so coming here, that was that was a big change for me. But they they record the exact same thing, and they they still do the same job. So explain to me how uh, much more labor is used or needed for when we're processing mail ballots because in the past, when the vast majority of people voted in person, whether early or on election day, it's something akin to, you know, a USB in layman's terms mm -hmm. that you would bring back to the registrar's office, plug it in, the results get downloaded, and voila. But with these mail ballots, not only uh, you have to open them, process them, take them out, signature verification, take me through that process and how much more time is needed and therefore more resources needed at the registrar's office to process all these, right? Oh, it went exponential. We, it's a lot more work. So when we first get them in, we have to stamp them, date stamp them. Then we run them through our ballot sorting machine, which then checks them in, takes off our little star on the back so we can actually see the signature. Then it goes to signature verification. Then it goes back for what we call second sort. And then it goes to batching. Then it goes to cutting. And then it goes to um, extraction. And then from there, we can we hold them off until we are able to do our scanning, which is kind of like going to a vote center and casting your vote on the machine because it sits there until we put the USB into the very last computer to tally. So yeah, it's a lot more labor intensive. We, we have probably 25 people working back there all the time to make sure that everything is going smoothly. And we've got eight different stations set up so that everything does actually 10, 10 stations mm -hmm. to go smoothly. So yeah, it's a lot. What were the big takeaways, lessons learned, things that you guys took from Tuesday night's primary, whether it be mistakes made or just things that you guys want to improve upon for the June primary and after that? Um, some of our processes, actually, to speed them up, 
make them a little bit more transparent. So anybody who comes in and, and observes, they'll be able to see everything. We are looking, you know, at adding a couple new ballot extraction machines. So instead of um, having eight people work on it, we'll have four um, and it will be twice as fast. We're looking at that. We're looking at a different, couple different processes for when we intake so we can send them through the machine faster without having to stamp them first and sign automatic signature verification. So it's a forensic signature verification so that it, we're not touching the ballots quite so much. They can stay in the cage where they need to be, where they're secure, and only those that are rejected or not forensically identified will be rejected. And that's, those are the ones that we would have to go back and either double check or ask for a cure. It's little things like that that we are working on to make sure that we we can process the 200, 250,000 ballot <laughs> plus yeah. in a timely manner so that we have the majority of the results on election night. In this interim period, obviously no elections to put on until June and then November, but obviously a lot of work going on behind the scenes to make sure those go as smooth as possible. Oh, we're already working on the June election. <laughs> we're not quite 90 days out, but we we are working on our sample ballot already. We're working on our vote centers. Um, we're already working on contacts with our vendors to make sure that our envelope, we got enough envelopes and how many we're going to need in the office. So when we do counter ballots, oh yeah, no, there's already a lot going on. On top of all that, we have the new top-down system coming right, from yeah. the Secretary of State's office. So in the next five weeks, we are doing our, it's called Premoc, which they're coming in, installing the program on all of our computers, working with our IT teams, making sure everything is great. And then in March, we have our mock election. So in that way, we can look at both systems, make sure that we flush out any issues. And this will be a statewide thing, not just a Washoe County, but a statewide. So we have all of this going on so that we can go, go live for our new program April 1st. Wow. And that's something that I'm, I'm personally really excited about. In Minnesota, I had top-down system. So coming to Nevada and going, from a, going to a bottom-up system is a lot of different changes and a lot harder to administer an election, ex, um, especially when you have to count, talk to all of the other counties. Yeah. This way it's going to make it a little bit easier. To be honest with you, it's a little bit more secure. Um, Good, yeah. Because now somebody can't go from Washoe County to Clark County to Lincoln County and vote because it'll all show up on the exact same day. And I'll explain for our listeners real quick too, the current system that's in place in Nevada is one where each of the 17 registrars and clerks across the state maintain their county's uh, voter rolls essentially and send those up to the state. Um, yes. And now, or moving forward, it's going to be the Secretary of State's office that maintains the universal list for the whole state, right? That yes. gets sent down to you guys. Yes. So they'll actually um, start the election. It's no longer going to be individual counties. But we, I'm really excited about it because it unifies all of us. Um, it'll be a really great opportunity for all 17 of us to learn how to do this system together. And I hope that we get invited to cover this mock election because it'll be great practice for you guys to see how this new system is being implemented. So <laughs> looking forward to that. I have to ask too, because in, in previous elections, on when I interviewed the former registrar, um, Jamie Rodriguez, for a version of this podcast that never got to air. She said, you know, there were instances not only of harassment, but also I think in the midterm election, she said there were workers that were followed to their cars, just uh, 
scary stuff for mm-hmm. election workers. Did we have anything like that uh, last week with the presidential preference primary? No, we did not have any. Not that I know of. We did not. One thing that we do have, though, is a lot of participation now from the sheriff's department and also from county, um, our county security. We have security in the office when we have live ballots. We have the security guards escort us out to our cars. They watch the police department. Sorry, the sheriff's department also watches us as we as we come and we go. They escort us to go get the ballots in the morning from the wow. post office. We have a lot of support from our local law enforcement, which is phenomenal. And I'm so grateful because I feel safer. But for me, it's more than that. It's making sure that my team feels safer. They're my number one priority besides running a safe, fair, and unbiased election. My team is my family here. So making sure that they're okay and making sure that they're safe is a huge priority to me. And having the buy-in that I do from all the other departments is fantastic. The Secretary of State at one point told me something to the effect of, or, or it was someone in your profession in the election a profession that told me it used to be in, in the before times, if you will, mm-hmm. that you would finish an election, you'd certify it a week later, you'd be at the county commission meeting and everyone would applaud and say, great job running the election. And now you have so many doubts cast upon you guys and the harassment and the potential for stalking. And it's just a, a completely different era in our elections um, in the last several years. No, in 2020, it was like that. We had the stalking, we had the harassment, we had our election workers followed from the polling locations back to the back to the central counting location. Actually, I was asked that question not long ago. They're like, knowing knowing what you know and how this goes and the scrutiny that you're under and also the um, harassment that comes with it, they're like, why do you do what you do? <laughs> that was my and, question. <laughs> and it's because it's my civic duty, yeah. to say the least. I take great pride in what I do. Um, I have the Constitution on my wall. I have the Bill of Rights. The The Constitution is the absolute cornerstone of our democracy, and being able to vote and have that privilege to vote is something I take very seriously and take great pride in that I'm able to help people get registered, know how to vote, be able to reach out to them, and if they need to cure, cure their ballots, I want them to to count. I don't want to disenfranchise anybody. It is so important that we vote. Every vote counts. Every voice counts. And knowing that I'm I'm a small part of that process gives me great pride. Well, we appreciate the work that you and all the election workers do so critical to keeping our democracy functioning and healthy, and we really appreciate it. You sound, I don't want to assume, but you sound like a person who um, if given the opportunity, might not want to be the interim and, and want to be the permanent <laughs> registrar of voters, uh, not to put you on the spot here, but is that something that you're pursuing? I imagine they want to have a permanent position or a permanent person in the role by June. Yeah, we're hoping for that. Um, that is discussions that we're having. Um, but of course it's going to be open. So it's, I have to go through the whole hiring process. I have to submit my resume. Um, I have to go through all of that. Of course, if they, if I am found that I'm qualified and I go through the interview process and I'm offered the job, absolutely I'll, absolutely I will uh, uh, take it. If they find somebody who can do it better, I'm 
also very happy to go back to my deputy position and be part of the process still. I'm not a prideful person where it comes to it's only me or the highway. I'm very much a, you know what, what can we do? How can we do this better? Talk to me about processes. Talk to me about what we need to do in order to make this better. Anybody has questions, call me, ask me. I'm more than happy to walk somebody through the process of how we secure everything. Ballots are never left alone, never left with one person. We always have at least two people there. No, it's just something that our office takes great pride in. Before we wrap up, share with me maybe a funny anecdote or story from, you know, it's a crazy week for you guys. I'm sure you're working 80, 90 hours in election week. People are starting to lose their minds a little bit with those long hours and probably eating sporadically. I mean, what's a funny moment or anecdote that sticks out to you from the uh, first presidential preference <laughs> primary that we had last week? My staff says when I get when I get a little bit on the lack of sleep side <laughs> um, and I have a little too much caffeine, they're like, I, I get a little goofy. <laughs> and it's a side they've never seen. They, they see me be the jovial, the upbeat person that they've come to work with. But on election night, there was a couple of us that were we were a little on the goofy side because we were highly lack of sleep yep. and a lot of caffeine. So we had a lot of laughs, actually. <laughs> Getting a little <laughs> loopy had, late at night. Yes, we had a good time. Yeah, I I get excited about elections. And election night is like my marathon. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I have a good time with it. I always have a smile on my face, even when the hiccups come. I think the majority of my staff can say they, on election day, they don't see me without a smile because it is my favorite day. Yeah. So it's your Super Bowl to use a timely reference. Yes. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on episode three of Ballot Battleground Nevada. Carrie Ann, we really appreciate appreciate getting some of your time today. Thank you. A special thanks to both Audrey and Carrie Ann for coming on this week's podcast. If you made it this far, I sincerely appreciate it. If you like the show, it would mean a lot to me if you rated the show and left a review. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, episode, or guest ideas, just shoot us a note. We would love to hear from you. Send me an email at bjmarjot, M-A-R-G-I-O-T-T, at sbgtv.com. Put Ballot Battleground Nevada in the subject line. I can't wait to hear from you. We'll see you next week.